for being here and to welcome you into this time of worship. Uh, so we're doing a new sermon series, as, as you might tell by a little of the decorations. And, and what we're calling this is, is running on fumes. Running on fumes. It doesn't take a whole lot to get what this sermon series is going to be about, right? Does anybody in the room at this moment feel like you might be running on fumes? More amens than I get out of anything else. Do you love Jesus? Amen. Are you running on fumes? Amen. So um, let, me, let me start by asking you this. Have you ever had a day off that you need a day off to recover from? So I had one of these days yesterday uh, where it was a day off, but we had so many things on our plate, and we were trying to get so many things done. We were going to power wash the house, which meant we had to go to, uh, to rent a power washer. We don't have one, so we were going to rent a power washer. And here's the, I, is anybody else like this? Um, you probably look at me and think, wow, Tim, you're probably a really handy guy. You'd be wrong. Um, so when I go to Home Depot once, I'm going to go five times that day, every time. They might as well just kind of set up place. Okay, Tim's here today. He's going to be back four or five more times. And that happened. So I, the hose I had, had was bent so it wouldn't plug in. So then I had to buy a new hose. And then while I was there, I thought, well, hey, you know, I need a new weed whacker. So I got a new weed whacker. And then the attachment wasn't right for that. So I had to go back. So as I'm going, every time I get in the car, I'm noticing that I'm almost on empty. Almost on empty, but I thought... I'll, I'll get to that when I'm finished. I'll get to that when, when I'm done running this errand because uh, I've got so many things to do. And then uh, my older son, we, he had several friends over, so I had to go pick up some kids, bring them back, and then later on I was going to have to take them back in the city. When I would get in my car to go pick up one of the kids, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm almost on empty. But you know what? I, I'll do that later when I've got some time. And when it's a more convenient time to fill up the tank. And then my brother-in-law did this really sweet thing. He had, he had, um, he had tickets to go see uh, the Rachmaninoff Third Piano Concerto at the symphony last night. And he invited me because I, I love Rachmaninoff and it was just a huge thing. But so I'm having to drive one of the kids back home. And then I'm looking. I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And then i got to go home and get changed and here's what I thought. While I was doing all of this and my car is almost empty, I thought, well, I can't do that because I still got to get into the city by 8 o'clock to get to this appointment that I've got with my brother-in-law. And I thought, I'll, I'll do it later. And then I thought, wait a second. This would be a really inconvenient time to run out of gas. And then it made me think, is there ever a good, convenient time to run out of gas? Do you ever run out of gas? Have you ever run out of gas and thought, well, that's nice. This is a perfect time for that. No, we usually run out of gas because it wasn't a good time to fill up, right? And, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit in this sermon series because one of the things as people who are followers of Jesus Christ we need to get in our hearts is an understanding of a word called Sabbath, okay? It's this Word Sabbath, and, and the best that we understand to how to translate this word Sabbath is rest or a day of rest. Now, if you think back into the way Old Testament, um, uh, in the book of Genesis, the first time we encountered this idea of Sabbath is when God is creating everything. Everything you see around you, God created at some point in time, and it says after he creates something, 
he says what? Do you remember everything, everything he says? After, after every single day, he looks at what he created and says what? When I do projects, that's not what I usually say. I look, it's crooked. I, yeah, no, no, he said, it is good. And then, at the very end of it all, at the very end of it all, when he was done, on, on the last day of creation, he said, do you remember what he says? It's very good. It's very, I've definitely not said that on one of my projects. It's very good. He said that, and then it says that he rested. That God rested. Now, do you think that God rested because he got really tired? I, I, do, I tend to not think that. Uh, one of the doctrines uh, in, in, that we believe in the Christian church is the idea that God is on, omnipotent, which means he is all-powerful. That means he doesn't exhaust himself or his resources. I think what was happening was God was giving us a vision for life, a vision for life that when the work is done, you're to rest, that when the work is done, you are to rest, and that is actually a sacred thing. And, and, and here's the thing. It is a sacred thing for us to take times of rest. Now, I want to talk a little bit about this passage we read uh, from Luke because uh, it's kind of a little bit confusing. It says it's a Sabbath day, and Jesus' disciples are walking through a field, and they are rubbing grain between their hands. And what they're doing is they're, they're rubbing grain so that they can take uh, the insides out and eat it. Now, there was an uh, Old Testament law that said you cannot thresh grain. You cannot reap grain, and you cannot thresh grain on a day of rest or the Sabbath day. They considered this to be reaping and threshing. And, and, and I know some of us think that well, well, they are being really, really legalistic. Have you ever heard that word before? Legalistic basically means you're, you're, you're taking uh, what, what God intended and you're kind of going over the mark. You're, you're making it too hard, okay? That's legalism is when you, you make it too hard to follow what God originally commanded. But, you know, the funny thing is they really did have all of these laws that govern the Sabbath. And if you specifically uh, talk to folks within the Orthodox Jewish community, a lot of them still abide by the Sabbath laws. Um, pretty much all Jews still abide by Sabbath laws, and they, they work it out a little bit differently. But the uh, conservative and Orthodox Jews will still follow these exact Sabbath laws down to the T. And I think some of us think, well, that's just going a little too far. Well, well how's it working out for you? How's your Sabbath working out? And so, so I, I, at first, my, my first thought is to dismiss what they're saying, but the Sabbath was very important, and they actually did what they did for a reason, and I don't want to just dismiss the reasons for being such sticklers with these rules and regulations. Um, our culture is really bad in our relationship with work. Did you know that? We live in probably, of all times, the most workaholic culture that, that the world has ever seen. And uh, there, there was a really interesting article uh, in the New York Times by uh, a lady by the name of Judith Shulovitz. Now, now, she grew up in uh, a more conservative Jewish household that observed the Sabbath. And she left that behind, and she became a writer uh, f uh, for the New York Times and, and was, was kind of living a very cosmopolitan, modern life. And she felt herself just kind of kind of losing herself in her work life and in everything else she was doing. And what she found herself doing, even though she, she had 
basically left her faith behind when she found herself visiting synagogues on Fridays and, and starting to adopt some of the Sabbath practices again. And she wrote um, a really interesting article that, that talks specifically about Sabbath. It's called, uh, if you want to look it up, it's called Bring Back the Sabbath. And, and she is not talking about this from a religious perspective. She's saying there's something about this ancient practice that we've lost that is really ruining our culture. Now, she says actually that the reason the, Purit- the Puritan and the Jewish Sabbaths, the, their rules were so exacting, is because it actually takes habit and discipline. Get this. This sounds strange. It takes habit and discipline, even social sanction, to break out of our normal relationship with work. It actually takes discipline to break out of your normal relationship with work and to actually get rest. I want to talk about a couple of trends that we can see in, in our modern day about work. Uh, and, and so these, these are just trends we see that sociologists tell us have kind of changed how we work in our modern day. The first trend is this. We live right now in the time, even though we actually have high employment in our country, we live in a time where jobs tend to be more insecure than ever before. They tend to be more insecure. And in fact, a lot of people work uh, what they call gigs. Anybody here work a gig? Okay, a gig is, is one of these extra jobs, an extra job. And more and more, especially young people, uh, are part of what they call the gig economy. And this is kind of a new thing. It used to be that you graduate from college, you find a job, and you stay there for the rest of your life, and you get your pension that's what we all hoped for. But nowadays, people work in the gig economy. You, you work a little here, you work a little bit there. Um, the second, second trend, this is, a, this is a little strange, but everybody's working more. Uh, again, I said that, that a lot of people have to work multiple jobs just to get by. They also tell us that, that folks that kind of are in the highest earning brackets, the people who are CEOs and things like this, because their earning is so high, there's a tremendous pressure on people in the higher income brackets to work ungodly hours. Ungodly hours because they're trying to, to, to make sense of the fact that their, their, their income is this high, so they work more and more and more. The third thing is this technology. Don't you love technology? Technology makes it so that we can work anywhere. So we work everywhere. We can work anytime, so we work all the time. Also, the the last thing is this. In traditional societies, do you know where you got your meaning? When you got your sense of purpose from? You got your sense of purpose from your from familiar for, for, sorry I, there's a, I'm, I'm tripping over my words here you got your sense of purpose and our success in fulfilling a familial role so you got your sense of purpose for being a father for being a mother for being a son for being a daughter for being a brother for being a sister these roles were actually what defined traditional societies and 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 your interpersonal relationships were where you got your most sense of purpose and meaning. That's how you knew you mattered, was because you mattered to other people, you mattered to your family, you mattered to your community. We are living in a generation that more than any other generation, we get our sense of purpose by what we do. When you meet people, they don't ask, who's your parents? They don't ask, do you have kids? That's usually not the first question. What's the first question? What do you do? Because what we do, a lot of us feel like it defines 
us. So, so those first three things I talked about, the insecurity, the, the, the thing that we work all the time, that we need to work more and more, those things mean that we need rest. We need Sabbath more than we've ever needed it before. And that last one, it means that we're more unable to rest than ever before. You know why? Because we get our sense of purpose, our sense of meaning by what we accomplish. And therefore, we never feel like we can rest. We never feel like we can stop. If you get your sense of purpose out of what you do, how can you stop it? Don't you, don't you stop mattering because you stopped working? Now, even though our modern situation, I think it's, it's pretty bad. The Sabbath is an ancient practice because it's a problem that's happened. It's a problem that's been abiding amongst humans for all time, okay? This need to rest. Um, I'm going to read this from this article um, in the New York Times that I said, bring back the Sabbath. When the Sabbath was still, st- still sacred, not only did drudgery give way to festivity, family gatherings, and occasional worship. But listen to this. This is really important. But the machinery of self-censorship shut down too. Stilling the, this is a big concept, eternal inner murmur of self-reproach. A lot of words there, isn't that? Stilling the internal inner murmur of self-reproach. Well, what does that mean? You know, sleep experts will tell you that you need not just quantity of sleep, but quality of sleep, Right? what they call the REM sleep. And, and there's a deep need in us as human beings that goes beyond just the need to recover physically from physical exertion. We have what we call this inner murmur of self-reproach that is constantly telling you that you need to prove yourself so that every day, even when you're done with everything, there's something that's telling you, you need to do more. You need to do more. And that's what keeps us from that Sabbath rest. I need, I need to do more. Because who am I? If I'm not doing more, if I'm not accomplishing things, who am I? But see, it's never enough. You can't get that rest from this inner murmur from a thousand vacations. And we all have it. You know, I, I think, um, do we have any procrastinators in the room? The real procrastinators are going to wait for the last minute to put their hands up. So this is even true about procrastinators. There's some people, uh, and this probably will resonate with some of you, that there's so much to do that you procrastinate and don't do anything. That's still that inner murmur that is, that is just calling you. It's saying you're not doing enough. You're not accomplishing enough. Do you remember the movie, who remembers Rocky One? The only Rocky that really mattered. I know, we're gonna, I'm going to get some fist fights after the service. Um, you remember, they, they do these montages of Rocky training. He's doing all this stuff. And I remember there's one part in Rocky 1 where he's asked, why are you doing this? Why, why are you just, you know, you're just killing your body. You're doing all of this work. What is it for? Do you remember what he, he says? He says, I got to prove that I'm not a bum. That's the eternal inner murmur. I got to prove that I'm not a bum i got to prove that I matter in some way. There's this deep need for deep soul rest in each one of us, that just regular physical rest, that, that, that just trying to stop is not going to get that rest in your life. 
And so what I want to do is I want to build a little bit of a theology of rest. I want to build a theology of Sabbath in us. Because we need to understand what is it that Jesus is really calling us to. Believe it or not, it's not just to take a day off so that you need a day off to get back from the day off. It's something more internal. And it needs to be something that we can carry into our work lives. It needs to be something that we can carry in. And so we're, gonna, we're just going to scratch the surface today. We're going to be spending four weeks in this sermon series. And, and we're just scratching the surface today. What I want to talk about is the why today. The why, and then what we're going to talk about in the coming weeks, we're going to be talking a little bit about the how. How we actually live this out. What it actually looks like. So I, so I do hope that you'll come back, that you'll invite somebody to be a part of this. Because, you know, this is something that is, that is just epidemic in our culture. That people aren't getting enough rest, not just enough sleep, but enough internal, deep, spiritual rest so that we can be the people that God has called us to be. I want to go back to the story we talked about earlier. Do you remember the, the Pharisees were calling out Jesus because his disciples were, were basically just eating uh, these heads of wheat that they rolled between their hands, and they were eating the grains out of it, and, and they were so angry about this. They were so angry about this. And uh, if you remember what happens, Jesus basically told them, don't you remember... In the Old Testament, he's bringing up the Old Testament because he knows they know the Old Testament. And he brings up a story from the Old Testament, which was that David, the king that everybody knows from the Old Testament. Now, now Jesus is actually from the line of David. So this is the royal, the royal line that Israel really sees as central to their identity. So he's saying, don't you remember that David, when he was running, he was, he was basically running for his life. And he was running with um, some, some, he basically had a crew that was with him that was trying to keep him alive because the king at the time, Saul, was trying to kill David. David goes and finds a sanctuary, a temple, and they have showbread. Okay, we have bread right here for our communion that we're going to be taking later. But this showbread was actually not for people to eat. It was not for people to eat. But David and his men came in and they ate this. And what Jesus tells him is really, really fascinating. He basically says, have you never read that what David did when he and his companions were hungry? They entered God's house and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for the priest to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Now, this next part is so key. This is, next part is the really, really important part. It says this, the Son of Man. And when you see Jesus say the Son of Man, he's referring to himself. He's speaking in third person. You remember how George and Seinfeld used to speak in third person? That's what Jesus is doing. He's speaking in third person. The Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Okay, now here's the thing. He's basically saying, I'm the one that makes the rules of the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath had a lot of rules. And what Jesus is telling them is, guys, you are missing the forest from the trees. Don't, who does that all the time? Me. I do it every single day. When I read the Bible, sometimes I get caught on these little things and I miss the big picture. That's what Jesus is saying. Guys, you are missing the big picture. And then he says, listen, I'm the one that makes the rules of the Sabbath. I am Lord of the Sabbath. Now, 
Pastor Terry read the the last verse, and I'm going to read it again. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious. Understand that the Sabbath was so close and dear to the hearts of the people at that time that these leaders felt like Jesus was just stomping all over everything they've learned and held dear to themselves and saying that that doesn't matter. What I say matters. It says that they were furious and they began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. Jesus said, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Now, what did they decide they needed to do to Jesus? Do you remember what the Pharisees, actually a lot of people, the Pharisees, many of the religious leaders along with the Romans, do you remember what they did, what they decided they must do with Jesus? You can yell it out. Crucify him. Now, what they did not know was that this crucifixion, that this hanging on the cross that Jesus did made Jesus the Lord of our Sabbath. It made Jesus the Lord of our Sabbath. Now, now why did that do, do that? Well, on the cross, do you remember that Jesus was, was riding and he was crying out in pain? Why was he writhing and crying out in pain, even saying that, why have you forsaken me, God? Well, I'm going to take two verses, one from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament, to just establish this this idea of what the Sabbath is for our theology. Listen to this from Isaiah 57.20. And remember, Jesus is writhing. There There is no rest in Jesus. It's a restlessness that is like nothing you've ever seen. And I don't think it was the pain. I don't think it was the pain. Listen to what it says in Isaiah 57.20. But the wicked are like burning sea. They can't keep still. Listen to this. There is no peace, says God, for the wicked. There's another translation that says there is no rest for the wicked. Keep that in mind as I read this from 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says this. God caused the one, Jesus, who didn't know sin to be sin for our sake, so that through him we could become the righteousness of God. When Jesus was on that cross, he was made by God unrighteousness. There was a restlessness like you cannot imagine on Jesus on the cross. He was made completely restless on the cross. Jesus lived a perfect life that we could never live, and he died a death that was actually meant for us, for sinners. If you're in this place and you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're saying, I'm a sinner. Did you know that? You're saying, I need a Savior. And here's the thing. When Jesus was up on that cross and he said, it is finished, that wasn't just for him, that was for you. And here's the deal. Every day we get up, and and if you're anything like me, like I was yesterday, you're like, I'm going to refill when I'm finished. When I'm finished. And here's what Jesus is saying. Listen, it's finished. You're striving that you're trying to do every single day. It's finished. That person you're trying to become, it's finished. Who you are is already done because of what Jesus has done. Anything you're trying to hope to accomplish in your life, it's done because Jesus accomplished it on the cross. Your rest is there because Jesus has become Lord of the Sabbath on the cross. I want you to understand what that means for us. That means you can rest Because the work of your life is actually done. The work of your life, who you are and why you matter, was finished that day. Who you are and why you count 
was finished on the cross with Jesus Christ. You count and you are important. You are a child of God, sacred, holy worth because of what Jesus did. It's finished. You don't have to strive every day. This should change how you see work. This should change how you see rest because you can rest because it's finished. Who's seen the movie Chariots of Fire? Oh, you gotta see this movie. This is a great movie, one of the all-time great movies. It's about two runners. Well, it's about a lot of runners. It's basically about um, these, these runners a um, long time ago. I think it was supposed to take place um, uh, in the 19, uh, 1920s. Okay, good. I should have fact-checked that, but okay. Um, so it, about the 1920s, and there's two runners from Great Britain that are trying to do this dash, and they're the fastest guys around. One of the runners... Uh, is a Christian. I'll get to him in a second. The other runner has, has no real religious affiliation, but uh, he's asked, um, what, what are you doing this for? Why do you need to win this dash? He said, I have 10 seconds to prove that I deserve to exist. 10 seconds to prove that I deserve to exist. And isn't that most of us every single day of our lives? Today, I got to prove I deserve to exist. The other runner who's a follower of Jesus, is so secure in his sense of who he is and what he is here for that when it turns out that the last race is on Sunday, he says, I'm not going to run because it's the Sabbath. It's his Sabbath. Now, part of me, just like I would get mad at the Pharisees for taking the Sabbath so seriously and like, guys, come on, calm down. I, I would probably say that about this guy too, wouldn't you? Like, why can't you calm down? But here's the thing. He's not doing it because he's legalistic. He's doing it because he's secure. He's secure in who he is because he knows, listen, I don't need to win this to be worthwhile. I'm worthwhile because of what Jesus did. I don't need to accomplish this. It has been finished for me. You can find true rest when you know that. Can you see that? You can find true rest only when you know that it is finished. And here's another thing that I think is really interesting about um, that runner, what he says about what running does for him. Because some people might say, well, well does this mean that, that we don't care about our work? No, 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 no. I love this. This, this runner, is, uh, he was a missionary, and his sister says, well, you should be doing missions work. And he says, but here's the thing. I need to run because when I run, I feel God's pleasure. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. What if our work, instead of us trying to prove our need to exist, or prove our self-worth, if we did our work because we feel God's pleasure when we do it? What if in everything we're doing, we're doing it not because we need to prove our need to exist, we need to be somebody, we need to accomplish something, but because we feel God's pleasure as we move about our days, as we interact with our neighbors, as we do the work that God has set our hands to, we do it because we feel God's pleasure in our lives. Because we know that it is finished. That was Jesus cry on the cross. It is finished. And truly it has been. It's a transformative thing to know that God has taken all of our shortcomings everywhere that we have fallen short, and he says, it is finished. He's accomplished everything that we couldn't accomplish already. 